We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we completed the section where we are looking at the models of belief and rejection. And so now ayahs 17 through 20 is going to be giving us metaphors about those models or those people. So let's jump in and look at the ayahs first and then we will discuss inshallah. So someone let me know that you can you can see the Quran on your screen. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, now that you have your camera on, so you automatically get an A for the class, mashallah. Okay. All right. So so in this section, we're going to have three metaphors from Ayah 17 through 20. And I'll write us write this all down on the on the whiteboard. The first is the metaphor of the man kindling the fire. The second is the metaphor of the rainstorm. And the third is the metaphor of lightning. So the first metaphor is the man killing the fire. So mathaluhum. So how do we know we have a metaphor? Because it begins with mathaluhum, their metaphor, their example, their likeness. Is as kamathali is as the likeness of the following. And I actually take issue with the Halim translation. I think it's uh, I'm not. A, uh, I think it's missing a big detail. And so these other two translations. Uh, I'm going to closer. So their likeness is as the likeness of the one who is kindling a fire, and when it lights up all around him, Allah takes their light. Allah moves their light away and leaves them in darkness. Zulumat la yubsirun. They can't see. And so they're deaf, mute, it is mute and blind. They will not return. So that's the first metaphor. We're going to go through all these in detail. First metaphor is of the man killing the fire. Second metaphor, the rainstorm. So, or, they're like, or we'll just go to the translation. They're like a rainstorm in the sky, wherein is darkness, or darknesses, thunder and flashes of lightning. And they thrust their fingers in their ears by reason of the thunderclaps for fear of death. And Allah surrounds the, 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 the kafirs, period. Allahumma hitam bil kafirin. Okay. Second metaphor was about the rainstorm. Third metaphor, lightning. The lightning almost snatches away their sight. Whenever it flashes at them, they walk, and when it dark, when darkness falls around them, they stand still. If God willed, He could take away their hearing and sight. God has power over everything. Okay, so once again, three metaphors. The first one is the man killing the fire. The second one is the rainstorm, and the third one is the uh, is the lightning bolt. Okay, so first, someone tell us what is a metaphor? And some of you are going to say it's like a simile, except it doesn't have like or as. No, but what is what is a, a, a metaphor or a simile? Anyone go back to your English classes from sixth grade? Yeah, hold on. Uh, it, it uh, like, for me, it simplifies 
a complex thing okay. uh, as well. Okay, so that tells us what it does, but what is it? What is a metaphor? Anyone for him or anybody else? So, in the chat box. So yeah, it's basically a comparison or an example. So a metaphor is basically, what is the form of a metaphor? Is that you explain a thing, the thing could be a concept, an idea or an actual thing using another thing. So let's say, you know, my, my undergrads, and who we have here from my undergrads. Okay, so Afnan, and I think Afnan would agree that when my undergrads see me, their faces brighten like the sun. What do you think? Good metaphor? Afnan, do you think that's accurate? Absolutely, yeah. Mashallah. Couldn't have put it better myself. Exactly. So, so yeah. And so I've basically compared, not me, but I've compared their faces to the sun, but the effect that I have on their faces. Okay, so, so how about any of you give us a metaphor of anything? It doesn't have to be about yourself or about me or about, or about my students. Anyone, give us a metaphor. And the funny part is that all of us speak in metaphors all the time. But when I ask for metaphors, it gets very hard to come up with something. Anyone? I'm as hungry as a bear. Oh, yeah, nice. I'm as hungry <laughs> as a bear. The car roared like a tiger. Nice. More metaphors. Hey, honey, why don't you give us, oh, you're the one who gives the roar like a tiger. How about uh, soft as butter? <laughs> There's somebody from New York right there. Yes, exactly. New Jersey is the armpit of the U.S., which is very interesting because my friends used to say it was Rhode Island, but I mean, whichever one you want to go for, that will offend less people. Okay, so yeah, it seems to me that I don't need to ask for many more metaphors of Florida. <laughs> so, so you all understand the metaphors. And then back to Horam's point, why do metaphors, why do we use metaphors? It often uh, explains more clearly. Than a direct explanation. Often, not always, if the person doesn't understand the metaphor, then, then uh, it's not. So it's partly for the purpose of explanation. And so it's almost like we have people with different types of minds some people, their minds will work better by hearing a list of attributes. And other people, their minds work better by hearing the same point being taught in a metaphor. So as we go through this, it, we're going to try to make sense of what is being said about the people of Taqwa, the people of Kufr, the people of Nifaq, or what can we infer from these metaphors. Now, next question, let me actually, uh, how to decipher a Quranic metaphor. How to decipher a Quranic metaphor.
there are a couple ways. One is literally explanation. Boom. Meaning the prophet peace be upon him is explaining what this means. And very often, many, many of the metaphors in the Quran are explained by whom? Anyone want to guess who seems to, among the generation of the prophets, who seems to really explain a lot of the metaphors? Uh, it is uh, Ali, Imam Ali, who, who seems to explain quite a few of them. So, for example, this world is a prison for the believers, and it's paradise for the kafirs. And then he's reported to have said, that most people think, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, most people think this is saying that the believers aren't allowed to do anything here in this world, thus they're in prison, yet doctors are free to do whatever they want, thus they're in paradise. But then he says, no, what this actually means is this world is a prison for the believers because the believers are trying to get closer to Allah, but this world is preventing them. Whereas for the kafirs, their gods are here. And thus they're in paradise. So if the God is money or what have you, it's all here. So, and so, so very often, how do you decipher a metaphor? It's usually just explanation. But otherwise, you are understanding the parts. Or the segments. And then, and then combining them. And that is what we're going to do. And chances are today we'll probably get through only one, maybe two of, of these three metaphors. So you're basically identifying all the small parts and then deriving meaning that way. So this section, through two, I have 17 through 20. We said 2, 17 through 18 is the man killing a fire. And then we have I 19, which is the rainstorm. Technically, it's the man in the rainstorm here, but we'll just say rainstorm for our purposes. And then we have the lightning. So these are the three metaphors we're going to try to decipher. So I'm going to keep the whiteboard on the screen as opposed to the Aya. So hopefully you have the means to look at the Aya on your own, either on your computer or with the Quran or Quran translation, almost have or something in front of you. And so Aya 17, uh, we're going to take it piece by piece. Okay, so first it says their likeness is as the likeness of the following. So first question, who would you guess are we speaking of when it says they? Their likeness. And then the question becomes, who are they talking about and why? Or who is Allah talking about and why? So we had eyes two through five, people of Taqwa, six and seven, the coffers, eight through 16, the hypocrites. And now it says their likeness 
Any guesses? And the real question is why or why? Why is this the guess? Actually, the the the, the body of the metaphor will explain who are they basically. Yeah. So so we would probably have to go look in the metaphor. We might guess that they is referring to the hypocrites because that's what we just talked about. Or maybe it's referring to the hypocrites and the coffers. Or maybe it's referring to the hypocrites and the coffers and the mutapin, the people of Taqwa. So let's go through further. So their likeness is as the following. You have a man kindling a fire. Okay, quick question. When you think of fire in the Quran, do you think of positive or negative? What's the first thought that comes to mind? Negative. Yeah, usually we think of negative. So now give me a positive use of fire in the Quran. When Musa came to the burning bush. So, so we have the case of Musa, peace be upon him. He's in Midian and he sees this this fire in the distance and we commonly call it the burning bush. Yeah, what's another one? Give a hint, Ibrahim. So the fire that was cool. Yeah, so Ibrahim's people are dumping him into a fire because they don't like the, the mean things he's saying about their gods and then Allah tells the fire to cool him, right? And of course, Fire is also used, spoken of as a technique through which to, to heat things and such. But often when we think of fire, we default to thinking that it is <clears throat> that is referring to hell. So right now we don't know if fire here is positive or negative and we don't know who this man is or may be. And then what happens, the light spreads all around him. Okay, light, usually positive or negative? Positive. Positive. Can you think of any negative examples of light in the Quran? I can't. All the examples I can think of the Quran, of light in the Quran is positive. And this is also something that's fascinating, and this seems to go not only across Islam, not only across the Abrahamic traditions, meaning Judaism, Christianity, Islam, but it seems to go all across everything, where light is almost always spoken of as positive. So yeah, Jewel, if, if someone's deprived of light, then that's a negative. So, you know, the dark side of the force and the light, right? The light is always, you have to use that voice, Light is, it seems to always be referring to something positive. So that would lead us to determine what about the fire? If the fire is coming, if the light is coming from, from the fire, that the fire is positive. So we have a man kindling a fire and the light of the fire is spreading all around him. So based on these two lines, does it sound like the man is positive or negative? Positive. Yeah, it seems like it's positive. The man's bringing light for everybody. And it's going everywhere, all around him, in front of him and behind him. And, and, and we what? can assume, yeah. sorry, we can assume that there's a darkness. That's why 
if it's if we take it as a positive so th- there must be darkness so the man kindled the fire so so this is an interesting point either there's darkness or this light is making everything brighter you know what i'm saying so imagine you're you're outside in the middle of the night and you have lights on you know electric lights on and then it's morning time and the sunlight comes you can't even see the light from the lights so it could be like that as well but yeah the idea being that there's still some sort of lack of light takes away their light okay, so now we have a man versus them and then leaving them in darkness And then deaf, mute, and blind, they will not return. Okay. So we have this man who is bringing light. So their likeness is is the following, and it's the whole metaphor. So you have a situation in which a man is bringing light, and the light is spreading everywhere. So who's the man? Prophet. Yeah. So one reading of this is that this is the prophet, peace be upon him. So their likeness is the likeness of the prophet, is coming along bringing light and when he brings light it's causing them darkness and so who would they be here that his light is actually causing darkness to them so it could be the coffers it could be the monophics it could be the the rejectors of faith it could be the hypocrites but we said in terms of their hearts, they're both rejectors of faith. Remember, we said that the people of Taqwa have faith in their hearts and their identity is one of belief. Whereas the, the people of Kufr have rejection in their hearts and outside they're non-Muslim. And then the hypocrites have rejection in their hearts, but outside they're believers. So the hypocrites and the rejectors both have rejection in their heart. So it's probably talking about both of them. But think about this. This is fascinating that his light is actually causing them darkness. As though they have an allergic reaction to guidance. And that is giving us one of the essences of the kafir, as we're speaking about here, and about the hypocrite. And so this also goes back to the point where I said, don't automatically call a non Muslim a kafir, because uh, a non Muslim isn't, in this context, automatically rejecting belief non-muslim is not automatically but a kafir is someone who's reached a point where it's like they have an allergic reaction to guidance and this is also the nature of the hypocrite so once a person has crossed the line into the point of being a hypocrite it is hard to get out of it it's like literally like an allergic reaction so you need some really hardcore spiritual medicine some really hardcore iman vitamins okay so does this metaphor seem like it makes some sense? Somebody nod, pretend, okay, just nod, just make me feel good. Okay, good, all right. Uh, what do you think about, how do we make sense of 
deaf, mute, and blind. Any thoughts, ideas, guesses? Well, in terms of guidance, think about what we spoke before about the heart. Like uh, when we had the ayah of the kafirs, Allah has put a seal on their hearing and on their sight and put a veil over their hearts. And so these are people who can speak, who can hear and see, but when it comes to guidance, their ears are sealed off. Their eyes are sealed off. Their eyes are blind, even though they can see and they can't even speak. So a person can reach that point. So Isaac says they won't listen, won't speak about it, won't look out for it. Yeah, exactly. So, so one thing that uh, could be that uh, they will be deaf. So nothing uh, like related to Imam, uh, sorry, Iman will penetrate mm -hmm. and mute, mute in sense that they cannot speak anything good of Im Iman mm -hmm. or faith, right? So in that and blind that they will not be able to see the light. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is one interpretation. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so the, the frightening point here that should concern all of us is that you can reach a point of no return. So even though we are teaching that the doorway to forgiveness is always open, there will be people who, as a result of their choices, will be so sealed off that they can't return. And so we should keep trying to avoid falling into that situation. Okay, any questions about this metaphor? Spirits just like undergrads. Okay, so let's go to the next metaphor, inshallah. So I had 19, which we said was the rainstorm or the man in the rainstorm. So again, hopefully you have a, a translation or something that you can reference as we're going through this. So it begins with or, so meaning they are like the previous metaphor or they're like the following. You have, uh, uh, let's see, Kaseiba Minasama. So you have uh, a rainstorm from the sky. Okay. And, oh, one point I forgot I left out. Let me just go back to this. Is that, is that what you often find in the language of the Quran is light is often singular, but it's not dhulum, it's darknesses. And one way this is interpreted is that there's one guidance. It doesn't necessarily mean it's straight and narrow, it could be straight and wide, but there's one guidance, but there's numerous darknesses. And the other point I forgot to make is that very often, dhulum, which is a word in multiple Muslim majority languages, dhulum, which we translate as darkness, which then in, gets in the Quranic context interpreted as misguidance or oppression. More often in the Quran, it is understood to mean oppression and primarily oppression of the self. And to help make sense of that point really quickly, if I... Uh, let's say I do something uh, wrong to you. Let's say I steal from you. And I steal all your wealth. Let's say you have a lifetime of savings and I steal it and I get away with it. 
in dunya, I succeeded, right? I took away your wealth and you suffered. But then on the day of judgment, what happens? I have to pay you back. I have to make, I have to pay you back uh, uh, for wronging you. Which means that if I do a wrong in this world, in the hereafter, I'm the one who is suffering for it. Thus, sins are oppressions against myself. If I wrong you in this world, then I've actually improved your plight in the hereafter. Unless, of course, you know, you break the law to, to get back at me and such. But anyway, so the point is that that's Zulum. So we have rainstorm from the sky, and then we have darknesses, thunder, and lightning. And then what happens? They put their fingers in their ears. Because of a fear of death. And then it says, Allah surrounds the kafirs. Okay. So these are the parts. I think I got everything, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Or we could even insert here because of the thunder. And then that is because of the fear of death. So this is a pretty vivid uh, situation. Yeah, you have, it's completely dark, lightning, thunder all over the place. And then what do they do? They stick their fingers in their ears. Why are they sticking their fingers in their ears? What happened? Afraid of the thunder. Yeah, they're afraid of thunder. That if I stick my fingers in my in my ears, the sound of the thunder is gone, so I'm safe. Okay. Can thunder hurt me? No, thunder's a sound. Okay. If anything, I should be closing my eyes so I can't see the lightning. Therefore, the lightning can't hurt me. You know, this is this is literally like when a certain previous president of the United States said that the reason we have so many COVID cases is because we're testing so much. That if we didn't test then we wouldn't have so many cases. And so, so here we have, you know, you know, this is, this is like babies used to love me. Like uh, literally like, uh, you know, if you had a baby, babies would like leave their parents and just, you know, blew themselves out to me. But something happened at some point, probably when I started becoming an academic, now they're all afraid of me. And, and so like a baby will look at me and then like look away. And what does that do? It's like makes the, the threat go away. And so, so what's taking place here is that the hypocrites are misdiagnosing the danger. And then they're protecting themselves accordingly. That if the sound goes away, then they're going to see themselves as safe. One second. 
Okay. Okay. So I just found out that an aunt of mine uh, passed away from COVID in India. You know how ridiculous situations in India. Okay. So, so the point here is that they're misdiagnosing what's the danger. Yeah. And then they're acting accordingly in an absurd manner. And so this is also describing how the coffers are behaving. So where is the danger coming from, according to this ayah? Anyway. They're thinking the danger comes from thunder. But where is it coming from? Any guesses? It, lightning definitely more than thunder, but what more than lightning? Look at the last line. That the actual danger is coming from Allah Ta'ala. So danger is not the right word here, right? Because Allah is controlling the light and the thunder. So if they're going to fear something, they should fear at least something that can hurt them. But better than that is to fear the, the one who controls what can hurt them. And so these would be different levels of faith. So in each of these, we also, just like we looked at the other, the previous days, what is, what can we infer as proper behavior or good behavior here? The lesson is, I should not fear what cannot hurt me. More sensible. Is to fear what can hurt me. And most sensible is to fear the one who controls what can hurt me. So here, what cannot hurt me? Thunder. Thunder cannot hurt me. Can hurt me? Lightning. And then who controls all that? Allah. And so think of this as three different levels of faith. A low level of faith, which is almost non-faith, is that you're worrying about things that can't hurt you. And then a stronger level of faith is that you're worrying about things that actually can hurt you. And then the strongest level of faith is that you're worrying about the one who controls all of those things. Because when we're saying that Allah surrounds the kafirs, 
Allah is the one who's running the, run, the, the rainstorm. He's the one who's operating the rainstorm. He's the one who's sending the thunder. You know, he's sending the lightning, which is, you know, them causing the thunder. And so if Allah wanted to hit them with lightning, he would. And if Allah wanted to protect them from the lightning, he would. This doesn't mean that I go walk around in a rainstorm and say, hey, I'm only going to get hit if Allah wants me to, because Allah is not promising not to hit me. Right? And I'll give you a goofy example. You know, reflecting on this, one time I was driving home, <clears throat> big, big, big rainstorm. And I'm thinking about this eye and I'm driving, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm only going to fear Allah, right? I'm not going to fear the lightning. I'm not going to fear the thunder. And literally, like in that moment, this bolt of lightning hits the ground next to me. And like, literally, it's like creating this, this glowing thing in the ground that, you know, maybe if there was a man there, he would have gotten superpowers or, you know, anyway. But the, you know, lightning hits the ground right in front of me. And I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I'm not ready for that level of faith yet. But so this is the, this is the point. And so the kafir, because they are not fearing Allah, they're fearing other things to the point of fearing things irrationally. And deeper than that or related to that is what is the nature of my fear of death? That when you fear death, you're also going to fear anything that can make you feel like you're gonna die. So simple question, be honest. How many of you are afraid of spiders? Big or small spiders? You know, if you want, I can pull up some photos of spiders. Isa says, yes, I am afraid of spiders. Who else wants to admit that they're afraid of spiders? Nather, are you afraid of spiders? Not unless uh, to kill. Say it again? Not unless they're known to kill. Right. So let's say, let's say you don't know if it's known to kill, but it's like the size of the palm of my hand, you know, and these are the tentacles. Probably scared. Probably scared. Afghan, what do you think? Scared of spiders? Yeah. If they're big, yeah. If they're big. So what if they're like, you know, the size of an eyeball? And okay, let's say, let's say you're taking a shower and you look and then there's a spider right there. Are you like, oh, welcome. Your people saved the prophet, peace be upon him. That's scary, not in the shower. Okay, fair enough. That's why I get scared of them. I'm not versed in poison. <laughs> okay, uh, Jewel, like, yes, like, nice. Uh, Anya, afraid of spiders? Yes. Well, I'm afraid of spiders. Probably doing something else. Judy, afraid of spiders? <laughs> I actually try to take them outside with my hands. You know, I just totally believe that. You know, I'm picturing Judy just, you know, she scoops because them Because I want my children to know they're God's creation and they deserve Mashallah. a right to be on this planet too. Mashallah. That's that's wonderful. Like I, I used to like uh, uh, in my, my basement, I used to get rid of all the spiders and and, and I had all kinds of bugs. And then uh, I noticed that when, yeah, this is Naperville. And then I noticed that when I left the spiders, all the bugs are gone and the spiders wouldn't bother. So it was also eco-friendly that way too. In any case, uh, so why do so many of us fear spiders? 
Basit, are you telling us you're afraid of spiders or why, or why we're afraid of spiders? They're afraid of spiders because they could bite, just like everybody's afraid of bees because they might sting. And yeah. I tell the kids at school, you're not a flower. You don't smell good. They don't care about you. So if you want your self-esteem built really high, you know, go, go, go. <laughs> you don't smell good. You're not a flower. Spiders just could care less about you. Basit, you're raising your hand. Or you're on mute. I don't know if you're speaking right now. In any case, uh, yeah, uh, why are they scary? I think part of it has to do with the fact that you can't see their eyes. Like, uh, okay, so so you've all seen E.T., right? Or you know E.T., maybe you've seen a commercial for E.T. or something. So when Spielberg was designing E.T., what did he make sure to do so everyone would think E.T. is cute? Because if you actually think about what E.T. looks like, it looks pretty gross. What do you say, Shahir? Yeah, he gave him big blue eyes. Said his eyes were huge. Yeah, these giant blue eyes, and therefore we think, oh, so cute, mashallah, right? If he had little spider type of eyes, think about how scary he'd be. And so part of the reason that spiders are scary is because they look scary. Right? They don't have poopy dog eyes. And so that's part of the reason. And part of the reason is that when they're crawling around, you don't know which way they're going to go, you know? And so you don't have this power over them. And so we feel especially vulnerable with, uh, with spiders. And you know, it's funny, I was giving this exact lesson. Uh, this is around seven years ago, but it's irrelevant. And literally while sharing this lesson, somebody in the class started screaming because in that moment, a spider had come down and I guess started, you know, wanting to listen to the lesson and someone saw the spider and literally started screaming and literally the whole class parted. Let's see. So, so, uh, yeah. And so the goal is to fear that, I'm sorry, I'm brainstorming. The goal is to fear that which can hurt us and better than that is to fear the one that can control uh, what can hurt us. So we've now had a couple of metaphors uh, over the course of this class for the last two weeks and I'm adding more. So anybody remember what the metaphor of anger is? The metaphor of anger is fire. And what is the nature of fire? To stay alive, fire tries to consume everything. That is the nature of anger. That when you're in angry anger, when anger overcomes you, you start looking for things to make yourself even more angry. And what is the nature of gratitude? It is water, right? Water puts out the fire. And yeah, and so anger, uh, anger is not satisfied until it's burnt everything. And so gratitude is like water. Fear is like lightning. And the point here is that when you fear death, you're going to irrationally fear all kinds of other things. If for that split second, you fear it'll cause you death. And the basic view is that if you fear Allah, you're not gonna fear anything. You still have physiological fear. Like if someone just suddenly shouts in front of you or someone honks a horn, it's gonna shake you because that's physiology. The idea is that we want to shift our fear from fear of death to fear of law. And that's a level of faith.
it takes effort to get there. Okay, and I think that's all from this metaphor. All right, any questions about anything? So, yeah, late. Uh, just yeah, quick question on that. So, in some sense, though, is there uh, is it isn't it natural, normal, and healthy to fear both death and Allah? So, what if we shift uh, fearing death to fearing your judgment? Is that what you're effectively saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you should definitely have fear regarding your judgment, but you should also have as much hope regarding your judgment too. Meaning if when you're thinking of death, you're thinking of the fact that your next step is the unavoidable day of judgment, yeah, that's a legitimate fear. But otherwise, death is, is a door that every single one of us is going to cross through, no escape. And so the goal is more to have acceptance of it. Not so much resignation, but acceptance of it. Uh, Horam, you're about to say something. So, so first point is a rainstorm from the sky. So what is that? Is it, uh, is, it, is it in the positive sense or is it in... So I think this is neither positive nor negative. You know, vulum is usually negative. But here in this context with the hypocrites, in the same way that in the previous, uh, in the previous metaphor, guidance... Oh, in fact, you know what? Uh, thank you for that. Let me do this and then go back to your question. So I talked about what to do in metaphor two. So what are we then being taught here from this metaphor? What should the person of taqwa be like? I should be thirsty for guidance. As opposed to being allergic to it. Now this point becomes important because sometimes the person who's carrying the guidance might be someone that I may not like for any particular, for no particular reason. It could be social status or something like that. And so, whereas the people of hypocrisy are allergic to guidance, I should be seeking it. And however much guidance I have, I should be seeking more. Okay, so sorry about that. And now coming back to this. Uh, so in the same way in the previous metaphor, the hypocrites, the light that was coming to them was positive, but their reaction was negative. And so the rainstorm, we could say because it's darkness, maybe it's negative, but I'm suggesting it's neither negative nor positive. They're just terrified. And so this is also a nature of the hypocrites that they are terrified of the world. And they're terrified of people. That the more trust I have of the law, the less I'm gonna be afraid of people the less I'm going to be afraid of the world. But these are people who are afraid of the noise of the world. Now, what is the equivalent in real life of thunder? Think about it this way. What is it that makes, uh, makes our practice of Islam sometimes difficult? It is what will people say? And that is thunder. Thunder can't hurt us. Of course, if you know a parent or someone you respect is insulting you, that's gonna hurt, right? But if someone is judging you because of your practice of Islam, that is essentially thunder. Meaning, like we say, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. 
And so that would be a way to read how the metaphor applies to us. Okay, makes sense. Any other questions about anything? We'll do metaphor three tomorrow, and then we'll be getting into the next subsection of the surah probably tomorrow as well, inshallah. So step-by-step step things are gonna get more exciting in, a, in, a, in tomorrow's class, and then the next class too, inshallah. Okay, no other questions? We will stop right here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah tell word you all. May Allah tell provide healing for all the people who are suffering from COVID. May Allah tell forgive all the people who have passed away from it as well and all other illnesses inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.